Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Here's one of the things that happens in my home, folks, when, when Lori goes away. And usually what Lori will do is, is she, she has a tendency to leave me a list of, of responsibilities for George to fulfill, because she has to leave a list, because if she just verbally told me, uh, what did you say? I forget it. Lists don't even work sometimes either, but she does leave a list of stuff for me to do. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of your spouse does that with you? It's mostly guys, right? Okay, your, li- your wife leaves a list. We, we, we have pet names for it. Oh, it's the honeydew list. You know, some of you know what that's like. It's an eternal list that never ends of things that need to be done. And why are you laughing? That's just true. They'll admit it. Because they're constantly thinking of things to keep you busy. We are very much aware of it. You do that with a babysitter. For those of you who have kids and the babysitter comes, you leave a list of instructions, right? This is where the pizza is and this is where this is. And here's my phone number. Call me, you know. You know, you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? We leave lists of responsibilities when we go somewhere. We do it with our kids. I, I see now Lori's doing it with the kids. I'll come home and on the counter will be a list for the kids. Hey, I had to go there. This is what I want you to do. We're all aware of that. Folks, what we're going to see in the passage today that Jesus does the same thing with us. Because remember, here, here's where we're at in the Gospel of Luke. He's been teaching them, preparing them. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to fulfill the prophecy, to ultimately to be handed over, to be brutalized by the Gentiles, to be crucified, to be buried, and on the third day he's going to rise again. So he's been trying to prepare his disciples for that, because in their mind, they're thinking Jesus is going to Jerusalem, things are going to be wonderful, everything's going to be great, he's going to overthrow the Romans, and hey, we're his right-hand man, so that means we're going to be even better off than everybody else. But he's been trying to tell them, guys, this is not the way it's going to be. In fact, look with me. Look at the passage, because we're going to see exactly what Jesus is trying to do here. We're in verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Okay, let's stop for a moment. Notice what it says there. They're getting near Jerusalem. So he's going to tell them another parable because they're under the impression that the kingdom of God is going to appear immediately. So you understand, they're they're way off in their thinking. They can't even comprehend what Jesus is saying to them. So he's going to prepare them a little bit. He's going to tell them something that's going to happen. So notice the parable. Look with me at verse 12. Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded that these servants, to whom he had given money, to be called to him, that he may know how much every man had gained by trading. When the first came, 
saying, Master, your minas has earned ten minas. And he said to them, Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in very little. Have authority over ten, ten cities. The second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here's your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you do not deposit, you reap what you do not sow. And then he said to him, Out of your own mouth, this is the master speaking, I will judge you, because you wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put back my money in the bank? Then when at my coming I might have collected it with interest. And then he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. But I say to you that for everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Wow, quite a passage. Let's look and see what God's Word is telling us today. We're going to look at it. We can basically divide this passage into three sections. We're going to see, first of all, the departure. We're going to see what happens during the departure. We're going to see the duration. So there's going to be this time frame of what they're supposed to be doing while the Master is away, and then we're going to see the accounting. The accounting. So those are three sections that we're going to see here, so let's talk about them. First of all, the departure. Here's what the Master says. Look with me at verse 12. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Folks, he's talking about Jesus here. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. The Master is going away to be exalted. See, their concept was is that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem and that he's going to take the kingdom, he's going to claim it for himself, They're going to, everything's going to be hunky-dory and wonderful, everything's going to be great. That is not what he's saying here. He's saying, guys, you don't understand what's going on here. I'm going to be leaving you. Because I have to go into a far country, which we know from the scriptures of what? He's going to go to be with the Father, and I'm going to claim my kingdom there. What is he going to do? He's going to be exalted. He's going to receive a kingship. We know that from scripture. That he was what? Buried? raised again, and then ultimately exalted to the right hand of the Father. He's going to be exalted. He's going to be lifted up. So he says, I have to go away to be exalted. Do you understand? He's got to be exalted. He's got to be in a place of honor that God's going to be there for him. But here's the other thing I want you to see is, look at the second point there. He promises to return. Right off the bat, he says, he's going away. He's going to receive for himself a kingdom, but he's going to come back. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you. Throughout the Scripture, you don't need to wonder if Jesus is coming back. The same guy who predicted that he was going to die, be buried, and raised again, told us in the same way, I'm going to come back. Just as I'm ascending to heaven to the Father, I'm coming back. And he's promising his return. So there's the departure. You say, okay, George, I understand that. He had to go away. I got it. So where do we go from here now? Well, here's the to-do list. Because here's the thing. Now, here's the concept we have. We've got to grasp it. 
In some of our churches, maybe you've got this, you think that once you're saved, once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's all it is. You just kind of have to wait around for him to come back. Folks, that is not it. Yeah, you have salvation. Yeah, you believe. But in the meantime, there's something for you to do. So notice with me the parable. So look at verse 13. He called ten of his servants and gave to them ten, ten minas. He gave every one of them a, a, a piece of money. It, you know, a mina is worth about three months' salary. So figure out, okay, figure out how much you make a month. Multiply that times three. That's what the guy's living him. He's leaving them a three-month salary. Each one of them gets three-month salary. You're thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. But here's what he says. He gives them a responsibility. Look what it says. In the meantime, his servants have duties to perform. Yeah, he's going away, but that doesn't mean that he can just slough off. Oh, but the master's away. We can do whatever we want to do. He's like, no, no, I'm going to be away. I'm going to give you, here's a sum of money. Here's three months' worth of your salary. You guys do something with this. You increase it. You do something with what I'm giving to you. And I'm going to be back and we'll, we'll check it out later. So he's giving them a responsibility. You say, well, you know what, George, that's really good, but God hasn't given me three months' salary. And probably he won't. It's an illustration. But what's the, what, what did he leave you? Well, we do know this from the Scripture, that when the Holy Spirit comes within you, he gifts you with certain gifts to be used. Does everybody understand me? My gift happens to be teaching. But for some of you, the gift may be something else, like maybe encouragement. Your gift may be giving. There's a multitude of gifts. The purpose of all of our gifts is for the benefit of who? The whole church, as well as those around us. And so while he's gone, he's given me these gifts to be used for the purpose of serving him while he's gone, while Jesus is gone. So the first thing he says, in the meantime, his servants have duties to perform. In the meantime, folks, here's the reality. You've got things you've got to do for Jesus. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what they are for you. I mean, I'm a pastor. I know that I can generally tell you, one's sharing your faith, one's being an encouragement to others around you, but God, the Holy Spirit, if he lives within you, is going to direct you at times to do things for the benefit of others, for the testimony of Christ, and it's up to you to respond to that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we see here is is that, in the meantime, his servants have duties to perform. Now here's the problem, though. We look at verse 14, though. There's a little bit of a problem here. It's interesting, because Luke's the one who includes this in his account. The others don't. He says, look at verse 3, But the citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Here's what I want you to see. Most reject the master's authority in their lives. Most reject the master's authority in their lives. So yeah, he's giving these responsibility to his servants, but in the meantime, there are other people around, but as, they, as he's gone, the reality is, is that they don't want him in their lives. They don't want him to come back. They don't want to submit their lives to his authority. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that what's going on around us today, is it not? Is that not true? You try to talk to somebody about Jesus, and how many of you have had somebody say, I don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't need somebody telling me that, what I can do and what I can't do. In fact, you know what? You telling me what I can't do and cannot do, that's just un-American. And it is. 
We're not, we don't like that. We don't like anybody telling us what to do. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see is, he still is gone. He still left responsibilities. And yeah, there's some folks who don't like that. Yeah, there's some folks who don't like that. So then notice with me, he does come back. Verse 15 through 27, we see an accounting. Look with me in verse 15. So it was that when he returned. So it doesn't say how long he was going to be away. It just says that one day he returned. Let me just stop for a moment. I've got to make this point. A lot of folks will say, because the Bible will say things like, that he will come shortly. I, I think I personally think that's an incorrect translation sometimes that we've chosen. It means shortly, but it also means suddenly. The emphasis of the word is, is that he'll come back suddenly, unexpectedly. Because somebody will say, well, you know, he hasn't been back yet. It's been 2,000 years. doesn't mean anything. He's coming back. The question is, are you ready for him to come back? Well, yeah, I, I got saved. No, no, no. Are you ready? Have you been responsible? Have you done what he's told you to do? Because notice, here's the point. Here's what he's saying. One day the master will return, folks. The master will return. I, I need to add this in there, too, because, you know what? Jesus may delay his return for another thousand years. That's okay. Because the reality is, is that whether he returns, you're going to meet him, because even if he doesn't come back, one day you're going to see him and give an account. Because you're going to go to him. Do you understand? Every one of you here is going to die at some point. We just don't know when. And we're going to see him. And we're going to have to give an account. Because one day the master will return. Here's the other thing. Look at verse 16 through 18. So here's what he does. He calls everybody in together. He wants to know what they have done with... The investment that he left them. And so look at verse 16. The one guy shows up and says, Master, your mina, your three months worth of wages, has earned ten minas. So think about that. His three months now have earned thirty months. Now what's that? That's two and a half years worth of wages. Whoa, wouldn't you like to know who his broker is? Do you know what I'm saying? Wow! And so here's what goes on now. It's like, wow, what happened? And so the, 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 here's what the master says. Hey, that's great, because you know what? I'm now a king. You've been faithful over this portion. I'm now going to make you faithful over ten cities. The guy who has five, Mina has turned into five, God gives him authority over five cities. Here's the point I want you to see. The faithful will be rewarded. The faithful will be rewarded. Do you know what we're going to do when we're with him? Anybody have a clue? Let me help you. The Bible very clearly says we're going to rule with him. We're going to have authority. He's going to give you things to administrate, to be over. Because you are joint heirs with Christ. You will share his throne with him. Do you know what I'm saying? And so if all you're focused on is how good your mansion is, you've got a wrong focus. Because I think there's so much more to heaven, and so much more to heaven is being with Jesus and doing and carrying on the responsibilities. And how he figures out what your responsibilities are in heaven, listen to me, is what you do here now with what he's given you. Do you understand? Your responsibilities in heaven are directly related to what you do here now. You say, I'm not sure if I believe that, George. I don't know if that's Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
Paul says this, that there's no other foundation other than Jesus Christ, but every man's going to build on it, and you're going to build on it with, with gold, precious stone, or silver, or wood, hay, stubble. And you're building on that foundation. You're building on the foundation of Christ in your life. Here's what he says, that there will come a time when that will be tested by fire. Now what happens with gold, silver, and precious stones when they go through the fire, folks? Yeah, they're purified. Do they get burned up? No. Now, if we got a good fire going and I put in wood, hay, and stubble, what happens to that? It burns up. Now, here's what Jesus says. Jesus, Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3 that there will be some who will have everything burned up, but they'll have their salvation and that's it. And the way he says it, it's not a, not a positive thing, it's a sad thing. Here, let me go back. Remember, he gave them an investment... And he's coming to see what they did with that investment. And then based upon that investment, he rewards them. What's the investment he's made in your life? What's the investment Jesus has made in your life? And again, you're thinking, oh, he's talking about money. I am not talking about money. Let's get money out the door. Let's throw it out the door. We're not talking about money. Money is the least of the discussion. That's just what he's using for the illustration here. What he's talking about is when we look at the Bible as a whole, he's talking about the investment of the gifts and the talents that the Holy Spirit has given you to be used. And for some of you, he's given you the gift of encouragement. Everything to you is that you want to come alongside of someone and help them and encourage them to be everything that they can. And that's the gift. My question is, using it. For some of you, it goes even further. He's maybe gifted you to be a teacher, teaching his word and his truth and encouraging others with that, but you haven't used it. For some of you, it's giving. Oh, okay, I thought we weren't going to talk about money. Yeah, but you know what? There's more to give than money, folks. There's your time and your experience. You know what? We've got so many different folks in our church. They do so many wonderful things. And I see it as pastor, and I just say, praise you, Jesus. What do you mean, George? Whether it is somebody with a car problem and the guy who has the experience to, to help them with a car problem to help them save money, that's them using their gift. Whether it's somebody who has some sort of carpentry project and they can't get it afford to have it paid for, we have carpenters in our church and they do that, that's using their gift. Whether it's simply you giving of your time because you know somebody needs to watch their kids while they go take care of emergency or something, somebody's using their gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's that simple. Let's quit talking about money. Let's talk about the investment God has made in your life with your time, your talents, and maybe sometimes even your treasure. He's left you with something. He's gone. He's coming. We don't know when He's coming back, but one day when He comes, He's going to hold us accountable. And my reward later on is directly tied to my responsibility with what He's given me now. How are you doing? How are you doing with what God's given you? Now, I can almost guarantee you with some of us here, and this includes me, here's what the enemy will do. You know, you got an enemy of the soul. He is real. He doesn't want you using or that investment because he wants you to focus that investment on yourself. And so some of you just kind of go into your cocoons and you don't you, 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 you feel the Holy Spirit telling you to do something, but you're like, well, I don't have the time. 
I've got other things I have to do. It's about me. That's where the enemy is. But folks, that's not where the enemy is. The enemy doesn't have that. You could say to him, take off, bud. I've got to do what Jesus told me to do. And one day he will reward you. You know what, to me, that's greater than anything? You know what will be great to hear from Jesus is, Hi, George, glad to see you. That, you know, wonderful, that's great. But here's what even better. The Bible me one day he will come and he'll say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over few. Now be faithful over many. You know, that just, uh, man, that motivates me. And just the concept that Jesus has left me with an investment and the person that I need to impress is him, just to hear him say that to me is more, far more wonderful than anything else. Some of you need to realize that. The faithful will be rewarded. But now here's something else the passage says. This one's hard because you got to get it. The lazy and his enemies will be judged. What do you mean by that? The lazy, George? Uh, The lazy is the folks who were left an investment and they didn't do something about it. And again, the emphasis in the scripture is they're going to be judged. Well, what do you mean they're going to be judged? Well, the emphasis here is is they're going to lose everything they have. Now, Corinthians tells us that they'll have their salvation, but they'll have nothing else. So what are you laying up? The enemies, that's the people who would just flat out reject him. And here's what he says there. Bring them before me and slay them before me. They're going to be judged with hell. See, there is a judgment coming, folks. We are going to be judged with what we do now, how we live our lives now. Now, does that not grip you? That grips me. What am I doing with what Jesus would have me to do right now? Period. Period. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? How do we take this? Because, man, that's heavy. Yeah, it is heavy, but it's something for you and I to consider. Here's two questions, and then I'll give you an action point. What are you doing in the meantime? I mean, he's gone. Yeah, it's been almost 2,000 years, but he's gone. He did say he was coming back. He had to be go to be exalted. But in the meantime, he's left you with some responsibilities. What are you doing in the meantime? Hey, folks, are you just pulling a paycheck? You know what I mean by that, right? You've heard people say that about folks, you know. Oh, he's just here to pull a paycheck. Now, that is not a great thing to say about someone, is it? Because what they're saying is is he's not here to pull his full weight. He's just here for Friday to show up and to get the check. So he's just here in the meantime doing nothing. Are you here in the meantime between Christ's return and now just pulling a paycheck? 
And then you get upset if the paycheck isn't what you thought it was supposed to be. What are you doing in the meantime? Listen, folks, every one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to hear me. You have at least one gift. And every person's gift here is different. Scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 12, that there's a diversity of gifts. And he gives to those as he pleases, as he chooses, the Holy Spirit. Gives to those as he pleases and chooses certain gifts. What's your gift? Well, I don't know. How about ask the Holy Spirit? He'll show you. He's gifted you. Are you using your gifts? What are you doing in the meantime? And then really it leads right into, are you ready for the Master's return? Are you ready? Are you ready? I mean, he is coming back, folks. Are you ready for that? When's he coming back, George? When he comes back. He didn't tell him anybody. But the question is, is is your life ready for it? Are you prepared for it? In the meantime, you're doing what he says, so that when he comes back, he finds you doing what he says. So then, what do we, okay, what do we do about this, George? This has really been speaking to me. What's the action point? Here's the action point. Get serious about serving Jesus with your life. Folks, this is the reality. It's time for us to get rid of the lazy boy, easy chair mentality in Christianity today. And I can't speak for other churches. I can't even speak for every Christian. But it's really going to be something that you have to do. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to decide that I'm going to, be, I'm going to quit kicking back. With a remote in my hand. Oh, with me it's a computer screen, sorry. Uh, and a keyboard. And just taking it easy, waiting for Jesus to come back. No, no. He left me with something to do. What's he left you with to do? What do you mean by that, George? Well, you know what? I've noticed uh, you work where you work. I don't. He puts you there. I live on Anderson Avenue along the creek here. I noticed a lot of you don't live there. You live somewhere else in Kerwinsville or in Clearfield or the surrounding area, somewhere in the county. I don't live there. You do. He has given you responsibilities where you are at, in your neighborhood, in your work, Some of you have friends. I'll never meet any of your friends. I don't want them to meet you. That's fine. Okay? That's okay. But you're there. He's given you responsibilities. How are you doing with them? It may be that before today you never really even thought of it. Okay, but now we have to, don't we? Because when we have God's Word and He reveals something to us, we've got to do something with it, don't we? And here's what I'm telling you to do. It's time for us to get serious about serving Jesus. It's time for us to get serious about serving Jesus. Where's that, George? I just told you. At work, in your neighborhood, with your family, with your friends. 
What do I do with them? What the Holy Spirit tells you to do. It's time to get serious. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.